the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He is the one who is able to meet every need that you could possibly ever have. But yet, we must approach him in his holiness. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. For today's Core Truth, we are picking up in a message titled Divine Appointment Part 2 in John 4. See, before we go before the Lord, we should understand who it is that we're going to. And when you're going with your very tough problem, oh God, how am I going to pay my electric bill? We have to understand, who are you approaching? The one who has invented everything and created it from scratch. He is the one who is able to meet every need that you could possibly ever have. But yet, it's like we must approach him in his holiness. Oh Lord, you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. Oh my goodness. Oh, if we could only grasp how the God of heaven stands by us in our private prayers. If we could only grasp his great love. If we could only grasp his his eternal perspective for us. His all-knowing wisdom. Maybe that would cause us to have a holy reverence. To consider exactly what we're praying for before we pray for it. Maybe some of the things that we pray for should never even be brought into his audience. But then there's other things that should be. And we need to be patient in waiting upon him. How can we be demanding him? Oh, Lord, you promise I got to have it right now. It's like, really? Where's the reverence? Where's the awe of his wonder? Always seeking for his will to unfold and not ours. Oh, God, your will be done, not mine. How could I dare ask of this? Lord, your will be done over mine because I think I need this, but I might need something completely different than this. Lord, your will be done. I give my life into your care because I know you love me. Well, this woman who wasn't recognizing who she was talking to, nor what was really happening to her at this moment on this day as she came to draw water from this well in the heat of the day. But at this point, she responds to Jesus with small talk in verse 11 and 12. But yet Jesus, he cuts to the chase as we pick up here in verse 13. Cut to small talk, get to the point. Jesus answered and said to her in verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water, In this well, I can see him pointing to it, shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become to him like a well of water springing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw water again. And he said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman said to him, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you are now with is not your husband. This you have said truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. 
Yes. <laughs> okay, you're getting closer. <laughs> you're getting closer. Yes, a prophet. Yeah, that would be an understatement. How about God in human form? He just exposed your entire life. I wonder how many people really knew the depth of her sin. Oh, yeah, she's been married a couple times. Yeah, did you know she was married five times? She's been married and divorced five times. And the man she's currently living with now is not her husband. You know, today many people have been married several times. It's kind of accepted now. It wasn't accepted in this day. The Bible says that God hates divorce. Now we don't care. It's like whatever, along with a few live-in partners. But why do we go from marriage to marriage? Why do we go from this person and this partner to that partner to that partner to that partner? Why do we do that? Because it's happening all over the place. Well, may I suggest to you that many people are seeking more out of marriage and relationships than what a marriage and relationship is capable of giving. You're seeking for something that it cannot give you because what you're seeking for is joy and happiness. You're seeking for total satisfaction in that your mate, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and they can't give it. They're not able to give it. The Bible tells us that we will not and we cannot find a lasting joy outside of our maker himself. He's the only one that can satisfy us. Meaning God has placed a God-shaped void inside of each and every one of us. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, thou will make known to me the path of life. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. In thy right hand are your pleasures forever. We can only find joy in him. Meaning it's impossible to seize happiness in the way that most people think happiness can be seized, which is relationships, which is more possessions, uh, a fame, popularity, because many have obtained many things in life only to find out they simply do not last. Consider Leif Garrett. He was a teen idol back in the 70s. I used to hang out with him because his mom... Uh, was the sister of my next door neighbor. So, you know, Leif Garrett's uncle was my next door neighbor. So they would come out to visit the uncle and then I would hang out with him. You know, he was on a lot of little TV programs and everything. Uh, you know, he was in the teen girl magazines like Tiger Beat. He was on the cover and all of those things. Uh, he was in the, you know, uh, little series on TV, Chips, uh, Wonder Woman, Gunsmoke, and many other things. Uh, you know, and everybody wanted a piece of him. He was Mr. Pop. Popularity. He was a, you know, this, you know, super handsome kid and all that, you know, but it was only for a season. And so you would think like, wow, yeah, this guy must have found total happiness and joy and all of that. No, he became a heroin addict and, uh, you know, he's been in and out of drug rehab and uh, what have you. And he's done little bits and pieces. He had a band and all of this stuff. Uh, I just pulled up for just wondering, you know, yesterday I pulled up what is his net worth here today? And it says his net worth of his whole life is $1,000. Look, if, if you're not happy, may I suggest to you that only God can truly satisfy your loneliness. He can only satisfy a lonely heart. It's only when we though surrender to him and do what he says to do. People can say they've come to know God, but have you surrendered to God? 
It's like there's been many people that have maybe just tapped into salvation with God, but they never come into the fullness of God because they never fully surrender to him. It's possible to have a relationship with God where you're actually eternally saved, and yet you lose all your life here because you're not willing to surrender to him, to do what he says to do, because that's when true happiness will fill our hearts. It doesn't mean that all of our circumstances will immediately change when you surrender surrender to him. Uh, you know, some will, but while others, you know, maybe, you know, things don't change. Some circumstances change, some other ones don't. But consider what Jesus said that we can find in him. He said it in the Sermon on the Mount. He started the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. And when he got to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he said this. He starts off with blessed. That's how all the Beatitudes start. The word blessed means happy. But not just any happy, it's happy, happy. So he said, blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you shall be satisfied. Think about that. He says, you really want to be happy? Then hunger and thirst for righteousness, to be in right standings with God, which includes surrendering and humbling yourself before God. Hunger and thirst for that. You know, that word hunger there, it comes from this Greek word pinano. And what it means is to starve and to crave for something. You know, to starve in the crave is like me wanting to go to Campos and get the macho burrito, okay? Because it's the size of a cinder block, okay? So I'm like, I am so hungry right now, I could eat the drywall off the walls. My wife says, leave the walls alone, go to Campos, okay? You know, so I go to Campos, I get the monster burrito. Now, see, the cool thing is, you know, I have a, you know, there's a Campos right in Robertson, but there's another one on Washington all the way down by Costco, you know? And so if I'm down by Costco, I'll whip into that one, and oh, oh, the hookup. So see, I do the dueling macho burritos like who can outdo who okay so these they're like they're like this big and i'm thinking like how's that gonna go down and it goes down and i'm just like i feel the love I'm, i mean so it's like hunger and thirst it's like starve and crave after the hunger and thirsting with god starve desire his righteousness to be in right standards with him. And then he says, and you'll be satisfied. That word satisfied comes from the Greek word tratazo, and it means to be stuffed or filled. God says, I will satisfy you. I will fill you up where you won't want anymore. See, like when I get done eating that burrito, it's like, okay, here, you, you want to go to Tito's and have a bean and cheese? No, it's okay. I'm good. <laughs> it's like, I'm good. Give me an hour, though. I might want to take you up on that. But, but right, right now, I'm good. But see, that's how God is. If you hunger and thirst after him, if you starve and crave for him, that he will satisfy you. He will stuff you to the point of you being gorged. But isn't that what we want? We want to be satisfied. Only God can do that as we seek after him. Yes, Jesus saw right through this woman who's been looking for love in all the wrong places. This guy, the next guy, the next guy, the next guy all the wrong places, right through all of her past relationships. Yes, Jesus looked right through her, just like he looks right through us. Well, this confrontation left her saying, well, I perceive that you're a prophet. Yeah, no kidding, okay? I wonder if you've come to that point yet where you have asked the most important questions in life. Like, is there more to this life than what I'm seeing right now? What happens to me when I die? Is there life after this life? These are important questions because our eternal destiny depends on how we answer them in this life. Notice Jesus gave this woman the key to life. He gave her the inside scoop. He says, if you drink of the water that I have, you will never thirst again. Wow, 
She responded with, well, that's wonderful. I don't have to come out to this stinking well anymore at the heat of the day. But in case you haven't figured it out yet, Jesus is not talking about a bottle of Aquafina water. He's not talking about some expensive vitamin water. For those like everything else in life, they can only satisfy temporarily. But rather, he's talking about himself. He is using a metaphor that was first found in the Old Testament. Jeremiah 17, 13 said this, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake thee will be put to shame because they have forsaken the fountain of living water, even the Lord. And Jesus says, I am the water of life. He is the living water from Jeremiah. He's the living water that he talked about in Jeremiah 17, 13. He is the Lord. Yes, Jesus is the fountain of living water. When we surrender to him, we too can find true and lasting satisfaction. Our thirst for life can be quenched. Understand, Jesus is not just some good moral leader. He's not just another religious figure. He's not just a teacher, a guru, although he, has, he fills all those shoes for sure, but he's not just that. He's not just some upright example for that humanity should follow after. He is so much more than all of those things and all of those titles. He is the eternal God who has come to the earth, the only Savior. He left his kingdom in heaven to live as a man, to set a standard for us to live by. Then he died a humiliating death as he bore our punishment on the cross so that all of our sins that we have ever committed could be forgiven and we could be set free from our own guilt and our own shame that we have caused in our own life from all of our past wrongs. Now we can embrace the hope of heaven for our future. Yes, the eternal God not only made an appointment with this woman who was filled with brokenness, but he kept his appointment with this woman who was also filled with immorality. He wasn't scared away by her sin. He met her right where she was at. She was kicked to the curb, so he met her at the curb. Jesus posed as nothing more than an obscure stranger, yet he reached into the depth of her soul. He engaged this woman who was forsaken by society, and now he offers her eternal life. I wonder how many here could use a touch of compassion from the hand of God today. Some divine help to walk through all of our bad decisions and failures that we've made in this life? Well, this woman is starting to finally figure out that Jesus was not just an ordinary man. He's already called her on the carpet about her multiple husbands. So she sends up a smoke screen to get the subject matter off of her. Listen to what she says here as we pick up in verse 20. He says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. And you people, the Jews, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. An hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is today when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, 
I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called the Christ. When that one comes, when he comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wow. Is this not a proof text to who Jesus claimed to be? You know, Jehovah's Witnesses say, well, Jesus never said he was the father. He, he never said he was God. It's like, come on, hello. It's like, are you serious? Isaiah 43.10 and 43.11, where you get the very name Jehovah's Witness. He goes on in verse 43, uh, chapter 43, verse 11, says there's only one God, and that God is the only Savior. This woman says the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, he's going to come and share all things. Jesus says, I am the Christ. I am he, the one who's speaking to you right now. Yes, she tried to redirect the subject. She tried to throw the smoke screen up. Oh, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. What she was doing in essence is, oh, well, let's talk about religion. Let's get the subject off of me. You know, has that ever happened to you? You're talking about, you know, Jesus with someone, and all of a sudden you hit the hot spot. They have sin in that person's life. And they don't like it. They don't want to talk about the sin that they're living in. And the conviction hits their heart and bam, here comes the smoke screen. Meaning, can we get off this subject of my five husbands and my live-in boyfriends? But notice, even in the midst of her smoke screen, Jesus brings it right back. No matter who you're talking to, and they take you on some, well, what about the, you know, the pygmies in the Amazon that have never seen a white man? Are they going to go to hell when they die? It's like, you know, you know is, is, is God so, you know, can, can, he says he can do anything, but can he make a rock so big he can't pick it up? I mean, you know, it's like, you know, all these stupid questions and these smoke screens that come up to us. Bring it back to the cross. Bring it back to the main thing. That's what Jesus does. He brings it back. He says to the woman in verse 22, you worship what you don't even know. With all of these false religions around us, all these different denominations and opinions that we have, Jesus clears the air and he says, God is a spirit. And we must worship him and in spirit and in truth. Remember the discussion that Jesus had with Nicodemus in our earlier studies in John chapter 3? We were all to be what? Born again. Because we're born once naturally. We come into this world as a flesh and blood, but as a baby. But he says, you must be born again. Your spirit inside must be born from above. You must be born again. The apostle Peter, he was so thankful for that fresh start of being able to be born again. And, and he thanked God for that. He says in 1 Peter 1.3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, this woman, because Now she finally has ears to hear. We've cut through all the garbage. We're past all the metaphors now. We've been blown through the smoke screen. Now she starts to zone in on what Jesus is really saying. As she acknowledges that she knows that the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior is coming. Now Jesus, because her heart was now ready and tender to receive, he speaks to her. No more metaphors. No more hidden messages, just common language. And he states his true identity. I am the one who you just spoke of. I am the Christ. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. And instantly she becomes a believer. Instantly conversion happens right on the spot. I could just see the chill go over her skin, down her spine. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm talking with the Messiah. 
It all happened. Verse 28 says, she immediately drops her water pot and she takes off to the city. Forget what I was doing out here before because something so much more important has just came up. And she starts proclaiming the truth of Jesus being the savior, which brings up our final point, an undeniable change. As this woman, the scorn of her city, The one who has been broken and beat down and kicked to the curb. She comes running in in verse 29. And she says to everyone as she's running to the streets of the city. Come and see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They all came out of the city and were coming to Jesus. Yes, after meeting Jesus, there was an undeniable change at the very core of this woman. This woman who had kept to herself, this woman who was scorned and looked down upon amongst her own people was now bringing the entire city out to meet Jesus. Well, while she's preaching in her city, the disciples, remember, they were gone to go get food. Well, the the disciples have coming back now. Okay, so in verse 31 to 33, they're trying to get Jesus to eat some food. They knew he was tired and weary. And it's like, here, have some food. And Jesus, you know, said, I've already ate. And they're like, what do you mean you already ate? You didn't have any food to eat? What are you talking about? And so in verse 34, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father. See, this is what God wants us to get to. He wants us all to get to this point where our desire is to do the will of the Father over what our desire is. Oh, there's so many things to do, though. It's a beautiful day. Let's go to the beach. Let's go here. Let's do this. Let's do that. It's like everything but maybe what God wants us to do. How about you go to the beach? How about you do whatever you want to do? But how about in the midst of it, you talk about Jesus? Even when you're standing in forever lines in the DMV, you can talk about Jesus, okay? It's like that's what we're to do. So then look what he says in verse 35. He says, I can see Jesus, you know, he's probably sitting down because he's tired and weary, right? He's beat to a pulp. Oh, man, he's wore out, man. He's just spent. He hasn't ate. He's been ministering to this woman the whole time the disciples have been gone. And so, you know, all of a sudden the disciples are back. He says, I've already ate. No, you didn't eat anything. No, you know, my food is to do the will of the Father. Then he says in verse 35, he says, I can see him pointing over to a field, you know, maybe just right next to him saying, do you not say that there's still four months and then comes the harvest? I can see all the disciples looking over there. Maybe it's corn and it's about this high. And they say, yeah, about four more months. And there comes the harvest. He says, behold, I say, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. When he said, lift up your eyes, what was he saying? Look behind you, fellas, because this woman has got the whole city coming out. I can see this whole crowd of people and just the dust coming up, a big dust cloud. It's like, lift up your eyes and look at that. The fields are ready and ripe for harvest today. That field, you got to wait four months. This field is today. Today. Not another day. I wonder who you could talk to today. Someone today. You go out to lunch. You share with the server. Something. But it's like, lift up your eyes. It's right in front of you. It's every day. It's wherever you go. It's lifestyle evangelism. Drop down to verse 39. And it says, and from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things that I have done. What can we learn from today's study? Many things. We'd have to have a whole other Bible study to talk about what we learned from this study. But here's two points. God was ministering to two different people. He was ministering to this woman who was an outcast, and he was ministering to his own disciples. 
And he used it all, the same story, to minister to both. For the woman, it was like, hey, I've been watching you your whole life. I formed you in your mother's womb. I've tracked along with every one of your husbands and all of your boyfriends. And what you're looking for, you're never going to find in a man. You'll find it in me. Okay. And then what else can we learn from her? That many believers are like, oh, you know, I've only been a Christian for three years or five years or six months. It's like, I don't even know what I would share with someone. Well, let's see, this woman knew the Lord for like, I don't know, two minutes, three minutes. But what was her testimony? It was her personal testimony. It was like, come on and see this man that changed my life. You must come and see who changed my life. When's the last time you said, you need to come to church with me. And it's like, look, if you hate it, don't come back, but come once. You need to come with me. My life is being stirred inside. My life is changing. You need to come. It's like, that's all God's asking you to do. He's not saying, oh, you got to turn this person into a believer. But can you just tell someone, can you come? Can you come and see what is, my life is changing inside. And I want you to come see it. And if they hate it, then don't come back, whatever. But what if they see what you see? Then this person's life has changed. And who did God use? Mm, You. Yes, we must take opportunities that God gives us. That's all the time that we have for today's message. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.